Sometimes we, uh, yeah, I'm going to give a word of encouragement. Sometimes this is the part when we get in the chair where we can relax. Y'all know what I'm saying? It's the time where we're like, okay, chill out, zone out, relax. I'm here to tell you that uh, please don't relax. I know that's weird. Like, get ready to go because we're about to talk about some real things. We're about to jump in. We're about to learn something that can change the course of our life. Amen, church? So please don't check out. I know we've all had the long weeks. I got to tell you, uh, Emmy had a, a headache this morning, uh, and I woke up at 1 and couldn't fall asleep until 5. I'm exhausted. Everything in my being wants to check out. Everything in my being honestly just wants to coast. I want to stand right here and just read my screen and not do anything. That's the temptation in me. So I can imagine after the weeks that you guys have been having, the work that you do, the struggles that we go through, the trials that we face, that we sit in these nice cushy chairs, and we're like, can y'all lean in today? Someone say, I'm leaning in. Happy Father's Day. Where's the man? The man. The man. The man. My dad said something crazy to me. He said, uh... He said how special it is. It touches his heart. I'm not going to cry. Don't do it, Nick. Don't do it. Please don't do it. Um, he said, "He said I'm overwhelmed that I get to be in church with my son and my grandson. And uh, it's actually not a common thing to see generations in the house. I thank God for my dad's faithfulness when we were lost. And I'll continue in those footsteps and I pray Warren does the same. I hope one day we can see four generations in the house. So in honor of that, do we have any grandfathers in the house? Grandfathers in the house. Grandfather, I see a couple hands. Uh, who has the most recent grandchild? I knew a couple people were going to write. How old's grandchild? One month. To the, come here. Come on up. Here, where's Mark? Mark, can you take this back to them, please? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes. Can we celebrate generations in the house? I love that. There's nothing more powerful than that. And let me speak on behalf of 28 millennial weirdos. We're thankful for those who carry wisdom. I'm glad that this isn't a place of just a bunch of my peers, but it is a place that has every generation in it. I love what is happening on the other side of that wall, too. And each and every one of you depositing life into each other, it's building a beautiful home, is it not? Thank you, guys. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. So we're in our series Lost. Last week, Pastor Judd came up and gave a word. Pastor Judd. And uh, while he spoke about honesty, did anyone have one of the most difficult honesty weeks you've ever had in your life? Wow. My life was, it was, it was, it got better. Em and I had an honest conversation about just married life. I didn't text this to the guys. I should have texted it to the guys. But an honest conversation will always be fruitful. I know it's going to hurt, but it will always be fruitful. Always. And so seeing that fruit last week just gets me more inspired 
more pumped up to preach this message because I know that when we put these words into practice, when we are not just hearers, but when we're doers of the word, we see heavenly blessing over our life. And so I'm really excited to preach to you today because I want to give that same challenge to each and every person in this room, knowing that it's going to produce life. Are you all ready for today? We're talking about humility. 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 For some of us, it's easier. For others, it's not so easy. I'm one of those that's not so easy, guys. But let's get started. If you're taking notes, please write a couple things down. We start with this each and every week. You can get a pen, some paper on the front of you, or the seat. Have we lost our way? We're just praying and preparing for uh, this series. Have we lost our way as we lost his commands? I was thinking about the church. Sometimes we feel aimless. Sometimes we feel purposeless. Sometimes we don't know what's going on. Sometimes we're just frustrated and, and wandering forever and ever, it seems. Is anyone with me? And sometimes, I got to tell you, maybe it's perhaps because we've lost vision and direction that comes from the commands found within his word. Because we're not doing what he says. So we end up lost and we're like, how do we get here? This this is going to help us. Look what it says, John 10. Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd and he refers to us as the sheep. And look at what he says about our relationship with him. My sheep, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Someone say, listen and follow. Yeah, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. When you listen and follow, what is the result, church? You never perish. I want to take that serious. That's one of those verses that you can just kind of skim by and say, that sounds really poetic and nice. Think of the magnitude of that. If you listen and you follow, you will never perish. That's huge. That's huge. Not only does he give us life, but look at what it does for our relationship with him. Through listening and obeying Christ, we show our love for him. I say this each and every week. I got a love language. We, if, you've, if you've been around long enough, you've taken the Facebook quizzes and you know what your love language is, okay? I'm a words of affirmation guy. Just tell me I'm dope and I feel like a king, all right? And so the thing that's very interesting is that God has a love language. And his love language is obedience. Look at this. This is love for God. This is how he wants to be loved. This is how he feels cherished. This is how he feels it. Not through the emotions. Oh God, I'm singing this Here's in heaven song and I feel so good. No. Although he loves that. The gifts and the sacrifice, yeah, he cherishes that too. But this is how we love him to keep his commands and then what his commands are not burdensome I hear that command word and and I get a little bit queasy because I don't like being told what to do I'm the boss anyone else with me yeah so when I hear and see that word command I'm like no I don't get told by nobody I do what I want but here's what I forget and here's what the church so much forgets is we forget that his commands actually lead to life we forget it We forget it. And some of these commands, church, they require all of you. Last week, to be honest with your spouse, it's terrifying. The week before, to talk about forgiving that person who hurt you decades ago, to dig that root out, it's terrible. It's not easy. But it gives us life. His commands aren't burdensome. Please remember that. 
His commands give us life. But if anyone obeys his word, it says in that same book, 1 John chapter 2, if anyone obeys his word, love, is, love for God is made truly complete in them. In other words, what that means is that your love grows and grows and grows towards God. So his commands aren't burdensome. Actually, it expands your affection for God. You find more love for him. Kind of an interesting equation. You should love me first, and then I'll love you back. Actually, what happens is as we follow him, we just grow more in love with him. And this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to be in him or live in him must live as Jesus did. What a tall order. <laughs> I feel on that every day of my life. Anyone with me? Yeah. Thank goodness for grace and the fact that the Holy Spirit is taking us on a process and a journey all the way to the finish line. Amen. So much grace for that. But we need to get to the finish line. We need to keep running. Say, keep running. Keep running. Keep running. And so Jesus, he shares these commands, these directions. And the original word that was put on my heart was lost virtues. He shares these virtues with us. He shares these virtues with us. The capacity to habitually respond to uh, circumstances in a heavenly way. These virtues. He shares them with us. And it helps us to live like him. But the first thing that we need to do, church, is we need to find it. We need to find it. My phone is on. Can you turn my phone off? Thank you. Here, Andrew, brother. Thank you. Um, so we need to find them. We need to read the word. Not only that, but sometimes we read the word and we go, mm, that's too difficult. Not for me. You're asking me to be generous. Mm, not for me. You're asking me to forgive that person. Mm, not for me. Not for me. Not for me. And so today we're talking about humility. Someone say humility. And so this is a tough one for me. Because I don't know, I don't know if it's a man thing, but I think I'm dope. I do. I think I'm strong. Like, I think I'm the guy. I do. And so this humility thing is a really challenging thing to me. Look at what it says in the scripture. We have to follow this command, knowing that it produces life. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Do nothing for self or in the glorification of self. In humility, rather, <laughs> rather in humility, value others above yourselves. That's the command. In humility, value others above yourselves. So we're going to talk about this this word humility and this is again one of those trick questions <laughs> in high school what is two plus two and you're like I know it's four but I'm not going to say anything in case I get it wrong so what is humility before we jump to that though I want to say this a humble heart leads to a heavenly life I got to tell you it just leads to a heavenly life sometimes as a preacher I like to decorate things Dress it up, make it nice and fancy. This is one of the simplest lines you'll ever receive in your life. A humble heart leads to a heavenly life, period. Simple, simple. And so like I said, I love the bravado. When I was in sports, I was the captain. I'm the loud guy. I like being the leader, if you can't tell. Give me a board game and I'll facilitate it like nobody else, all right? I like being El Capitan. I like being the strong guy. I know Jerick would whoop my butt, but I'm strong. Chris will pull my butt too. <laughs> He's got that reach. Pow, pow, pow. But I love being the guy. You know what else? I, to be honest, I, I love bravado. 
I love Cam Newton, the Superman. I like jerks like that. I love arrogance. I'm arrogant too. I wrestle with this all the time. Is, am I the only one? Can I tell you a story? Oh, this is so bad. This is so bad. I, I told... There was this girl in a dating relationship. And I said... Your boo thing is an absolute loser. Time to date me now. I said that. He's nothing. You know you would have a better life with me. I said that. I hope y'all don't judge me. Didn't work out for me. God corrected course. Serious. Serious. I've been in church culture and I've thought, even while being a good follower and a servant, I have thought I can do better and lead this better. My boss is doing a trash job. Give me the reins. Watch what happens. thought that of my own father. Look at him leading his home like this. Are you even a man? You know what you're doing? 16 years old. I know I'm not the only one. Come on now. I feel like I'm on an island. Serious. I love the bravado. I love being strong, but I've taken the pride and arrogance far, far, far out of whack. I have. And you might not be the out loud... (laughs) I call myself jazz hands. You might not be the jazz hands guy, but we all wrestle. We all wrestle with pride and arrogance. We do. Think of what comparison really is. The pride of you being better than someone else. And so the question that we start with today, and again, I need to learn this lesson myself. I love preaching myself. Do we know what humility is? Again, this is the high school question. What's two plus two? And we all look around like, I kind of know, but I don't want to say it. Humility. We're going to look at what this is today. But here's what I want to say before we get started is that people in the faith, believers, we have misunderstood or misused humility. We got it wrong. We got it wrong. Me, I've got it wrong. Let me say this. Humility is not self-seeking. It has nothing to do with bettering self can I tell you church sometimes oh sometimes we use spiritual acts to elevate self look at me can I, can I speak to what I've experienced in the past look at me and my ability to worship and sing a song really great and in fact I wrote this song and a bunch of hands have gone up used to write songs. They were good. They were blessed. And the arrogance of me said, yeah, I did that. Look at me and follow my Instagram page where you'll be inspired. It's not self-seeking. We use spiritual acts to promote self. Well, I pray six hours a day. Do you see the the little knee print in my closet? I'm a hero in the faith. 
see my one-liner, I'll post it on Instagram in case you missed it. Just keep, you know, elevating yourself. So we use spiritual practices to promote self. This was rampant in the church. I speak in tongues. You don't. I'm better. I'm better. I'm filled with the Spirit of God, and you're not. Good luck. And in fact, I'm going to use it as a tool to suppress you. So you better make sure that you live perfect or you won't get the Spirit. So we've used these spiritual practices to elevate self all in the name of false humility. So when you give to the needy, it says in Matthew, this is Jesus talking, so that when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. (gasps) Look at my check. I did this. It's really hard, is it not? Because here's this thing that's really kind and really compassionate, and I know it can inspire others, but it starts striking that pride and arrogance chord. It does. It does. Hypocrites do in the synagogue and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. When you start using spiritual acts to elevate self, oh, good luck. Good luck. And I've done that too. That's why we got to talk about this. Second thing is this. The church also has it this way. So not only do we sometimes use it for self-seeking. Oh, look, I can, I can serve in this way, and I'm so great, and I say these nice words, and I do these great things. You know, follow me on Instagram. Not only that, but sometimes we do this in the church. Humility is not self-deprecating. In other words, we don't destroy ourselves. We got it wrong. Someone come, so when someone comes up to you and says, Brenna, Great job. Can you put the graphic up? Can you put the graphic up, please? Can you say, Brenna, great job. Great job. She crushed it. Have you seen this? Look, it's Jesus' face in that. Great job. Great job. Now, what happens in the church world, when we, see, when we receive a great job from someone, we say, no, I suck at this. You know, it's just. No, you used your gift. You served us. Thank you. Great job. But we destroy ourselves. Pastor Nick, you, you gave me a word that really just fed my heart. I I felt like I missed like my tension point and I I didn't deliver it well and I was really stressed and I was distracted because a baby was crying and you know blah 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 blah. and I can give every excuse in the book to just defeat the entire thing so humility is not self-deprecating that's false humility I've had singers I've, 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 I've seen people have this incredible gift oh it was terrible bro someone just gave you a compliment someone was encouraged by the way that you led someone's heart was touched by your act of service and you're discrediting that by defeating yourself that's not humility which is really hard because we think that humility is being low yes that's true but not to the point of defeating yourself. So there's a balance. Humility is not, I'm really dope, and humility is not, I'm terrible at everything. That's a really hard place to find. We have so many people in this room gifted with beautiful, beautiful things. Please don't defeat yourself. 
I get frustrated. You want, you want to know one thing that I hear as a pastor all the time? Is someone says, I suck. Wow. I get really insulted for you when you tell me that. I get really angry. I get really angry. Why? Because you don't know who you really are. Look at this. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's wombs. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You know what happens when you tell yourself that you're terrible? You're calling the creation of God terrible. I don't stand for that. I don't stand for that. So look at this. I know that true. I am made well. I am wonderful. We don't go and boast and brag about it. But we don't defeat ourselves. Y'all see the tough balance that we wrestle with? It's hard. It's hard to navigate true heavenly humility. And the church has it wrong at times. I've done the humility that self said, what an honor to sing and look at my song I wrote. It's really hard to do that. But then it's also, oh, I suck. Yeah, I'm just terrible at this. I'm, I'm so glad you at least liked it. I missed five notes. It's not it. So, I don't want to leave you with the not it. What is it? What is humility? What is it truly? And so when you read this word, it's actually a two-part word. Uh, Tapienos, which is not rising far from the ground. Literally to be low. This is in reference to height. Okay? What is humility? Not rising far from the ground. But look at what fren means. The midriff or diaphragm. Do you know what's right here, church? What's right here? Your heart. So a heart and the mind with your understanding that is close to the ground. Perhaps a posture of prayer. A posture of honoring others. We don't really do this much anymore. But if you can think about it in the most simple of contexts, when you go and watch your fourth graders play, what do they all do at the end of their play that was a fresh three out of ten? What do they all do? They they take their midriff, their heart, and their mind, and they go, thank you. When you met a king, you would get on your knees and your hands, and you would bow. So humility is literally a heart and a mind that is low to the ground. Not telling yourself that you're terrible, and it's not being the big pride and ego. It is a heart and a mind that is low to the ground. Isn't that powerful? Mm. So they're not celebrating a good play when they bow or they curtsy. They are showing humility. Thank you for spending the evening participating in this honored that you would be here. So what happens, and this is the powerful stuff, I'm really excited to talk about this today. What happens when we live with a heart and a mind that is grounded? What happens when we live with a heart and a mind that is grounded, that is close to the ground? How do we do that? What, what is the result of that? And so today I wanted to talk about uh, a particular story found in Matthew chapter 20 where Jesus gives some incredible insight. But before we do, it was on my heart to speak to you guys about this. Someone say royal, royal formula. The world has formed a royal formula, and they've got it wrong. We anoint, oh my goodness, 
the world anoints people king based off of their calling, gifting, and skill. So we're going to make this person the head of our company because they're absolutely brilliant at vision. We're going to make this person the head of our company because they're so gifted with managing budgets and hiring the right people. They're so good. We're going to give this person $10 million because he knows how to do this and it lands in that circle thing nine times out of ten. And we base our whole, the world bases its anointing system totally off gift and skill. Am I wrong? And can I tell you that typically, if there isn't a, another element in the picture, it crashes and burns. Or it doesn't reach its true potential that it could. And that other formula, or that other part of the formula is humility. But this is what we do. We're going to anoint person king because they can speak really well, because they can do things awesome. They're incredible at what they do. They are king. Done. Can I speak honestly? We do this with politicians too. They have the right ideas, the perfect plan. Can I tell you that I think that our leadership of our country needs a massive pill of humility? Could you imagine what that would look like? Has our country forgotten that they are in positions to serve us, not us them? Mm, humility is lost right now. But we'll anoint people king based off of gifting or skill. And they post it on Instagram and they have all these ads. Look at what we did. Oh, I turned this around, blah, blah, blah. And they post about their, guilt, their skill and their gifting. And we don't see the true character behind the scenes. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what would happen if we as America pursued finding humble, gifted leaders. What that would do. Mm. And so I want to turn to this. You guys got your book. Someone say the book. The book. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. And uh, today, this is in honor of 2028. Let's go. We got a missions trip to go. Mm-hmm. I got a couple tricks, Judd. Couple. Ah. <laughs> uh, so, Jesus is in this moment. He's meeting with these disciples, and this woman comes up, and she starts having this conversation with Jesus in the midst of all the disciples. And she has this crazy question. She starts talking about places in heaven. Who's going to be higher and greater? Who's going to be higher and greater in heaven? And so if you got your book out, we can find this. Where, where it's, uh, is it 17? I'm sorry. Nope, nope. The mother of Zebedee's sons. Where is it at? Yep. Verse 20. Matthew 20, 20. Matthew 20, 20. The mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of Jesus. What is it you want? He asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine. So she knows who Jesus is. She's like, well, this is like the king of kings type of guy. This, this is going to be a great dude. Jesus, can I guarantee that one of my sons may sit at your right hand or at your left in your kingdom? In other words, what do I have to do to make sure that they're great? That's a bold question. That's a mom. <laughs> your, 
Ruth Ann, you're reading my points. Come on, Ruth. Okay, so uh, it keeps going. Left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to him. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those from whom or for whom they have been prepared by my Father. And so I want to address this because Ruth Ann said that's a mom's heart. She's absolutely right. There is a natural ambition in us to secure greatness for our family and especially ourselves. You know what I want for Warren? I want the best of the best for Warren. You know what I want for Kennedy? I want her to be the coolest, best person ever. I want them to have money. I want them to be great. I want them to have no worries. I want them to be educated. I want them to be smart and wise. I want them to have the perfect marriages. I want them to have children that are incredible too, so that way I can enjoy them. Oh, misbehaved grandchild. Pow. Okay? And so there's ambitions in us. That's what I'm talking about here. This wasn't necessarily a humble question. I understand she's trying to secure greatness for her children. We all, even in this innocent question, I believe that we all want greatness. Isn't that what we're after? Serious, think about that. Isn't that what we're after? When you start your business, you went out on on a limb 10 years ago. Don't you want to be the best? Don't we want this church? Doesn't Nick Miller want this church to be incredible and service our community? Yeah, We all want greatness in some form of another. Don't we want the best husband or the best wife? Yes. Don't we want the greatest amount of money? Yes. The house? Yes. There's ambition in all of us. And so today, if you're like, yeah, I'm pretty humble. Yeah, I I, I know. I'm, I'm pretty heart and mind, lowly and grounded. I would ask this question. Really? Really? Think about it. Think about it think about it. Because again, this is an innocent thing, but there's ambition, pride, and error. My two sons deserve to sit next to you. And so the other disciples were there, and they had something to say about this. They're like, wait, 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 wait. Let me sit on this conversation and let me offer some insight. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant. Nuh-uh. I know those two. They haven't done half as much as me. I know those two. They don't have the microphone. I'm the one speaking and preaching. I know those two. They've lied and manipulated Jesus at times. They've made mistakes. Not me. I've been perfect. They were indignant. They were prideful. They were indignant. Why were they indignant? The, oh, this is such a huge... The disciples are the ones, they had the titles. Titles can be a really dangerous thing, can it not, church? I've, uh, I've seen churches... Now, I, I, again, if this has a purpose and a plan and a very intentionality about it, but I've been to churches where it seems like every person is pastor, bishop, something. No, no. No, you've, you've lived it out. He's lived it out. Titles. And they had various skills. Sometimes we say, the guy with the microphone is better than the guy serving coffee. I disagree with you 100%. 100%. Well, the guy with the microphone has this skill, but I, you know, they, people say, I just serving kids. You never just anything. 
Right now, actually what's really helping me is Rebecca back there is pushing this button so I maintain course. She's helping me. To be honest, no, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. You think I'm leading this, she's actually leading this. So they were indignant. My skill's better than yours, my title's better than yours. They say, I've been around longer than you. I got seniority on you. Hey, let me tell you something. Maturity in Christ is not about time, it's about obedience. Maturity in Christ is not about time spent, it's about obedience. That's why there are some 28-year-olds who can know and preach the word and walk it out and teach those who've been around a little bit. That's, I need to work on self. And so the question that they were asking is, who gets the special seat? I've thought of that. I want the special seat. Call me crazy. I want the special seat too. I would be in this exact same position. We look at them and be like, you fools. No, I'm in this same exact position. I want the special seat too. I want to do something great. <sighs> Isn't humility tough? Ooh. And so Jesus saw this and he's like, oh, I got to correct these guys again. He called them together and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority of them. Not so with you. We're not tyrants here. We don't rule over people. Instead, someone say instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Oh. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mm. So I wrestle with this indignant nature too. I get all high and mighty. I think I'm great. I think I'm gifted. I think I can do X, Y, and Z. I think I deserve X, Y, and Z. I'm entitled. I want that great seat right next to him. And I get this wrong all the time, and I know I'm not the only one. Church, the actual heavenly royal formula is this. Faith, which leads to an anointing, plus humility will make you a king. Anointing, calling, gifting, skills, those types of things. Faith, plus humility. A heart and a mind that is grounded leads to kingship. Serious. We, we missing it. We think that by being great, showing the bravado, showing off the skills is how we become king. And in fact, it's really hard when the devil, oh, it's really hard when the devil actually does position those people with great skills and talents and no humility and, and positions of power and awesomeness. That's why we get confused. That's why we get confused. Am I, am I crazy in saying that? So we see the formula in front of our very eyes. X, Y, and Z person is great, gifted, talented, and then they become incredibly in position high, and we don't see a lot of humility getting rewarded here. Here. So I want to show you this formula in action. I want to look at the life of Jesus. This is in Matthew chapter 3. Did you know that Jesus was anointed too? 
He was anointed. Matthew chapter 3, he's beginning his journey. He goes and he sees John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, he goes up to him and says, hey, you need to baptize me. And John's like, I am not worthy to be baptizing you. And Jesus said, do it. Okay? Do it. And John's like, you got it, sir. And so Jesus was baptized. He came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were open. And he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and settling on him. He was anointed right then and there. And behold, a voice from the heavens said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. There it began. Isn't that crazy? This is real. When you give your life to Jesus, you receive this Holy Spirit, and this anointing follows your life. The Holy Spirit settled on him, and God affirmed his identity as his son, his one and only son that was going to rescue the world. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. Do y'all see the anointing? That's the moment. He made it known. This is the guy right here, this guy. But it didn't just happen right then and there. He didn't just get done, come back up, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and become this mighty ruling king. Do you know what he did? He went and found a couple guys that are ordinary, just like you and me. And he said, hey, we're going to start building something here. We're going to start building a kingdom culture here. We're going to start saving the world. We need to go through this whole process so that way we can rescue the world. Are you in on it? Yeah? Great. Then here's what we're going to do. You're not going to serve me. I'm going to serve you. John chapter 13 puts it like this. He's sitting with his disciples. They're eating. And all of a sudden, Jesus, he knew that the Father had put all things under his power. That's a huge thing. All things under your power. That means, like, you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. And what does he choose to do with power? That's the key. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Do you know what he did? So instead of saying, I'm awesome, give me all your money. I'm awesome, let me preach. I'm awesome, let me go and be great. I'm awesome, make me king of Israel. No, you know what he did? He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin on the floor. Look at what is literally happening to his body and his mind. What is humility? He goes and puts his water in a basin and begins to wash his disciples' feet. He literally, he literally puts his heart and his mind in a humble position below his disciples. The guy who has all the power. You ever see someone with a lot of power? You ever see them do that? Me neither. Me neither. Me neither. That's what he chooses to do with all that power. All the capability in the world. And he goes and he washes the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was around him. He is to be king, yet he lowers himself spiritually and physically to serve his disciples. That's different, church. That's different. So he has the anointing, the Holy Spirit settles on him, and then he goes and he's humble. Church, do you need more proof of the heavenly royal formula? I'll give it to you. If you got your Bibles, you can go ahead to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 puts it so simply. It talks about this humble relationship that we have with one another. In your relationships, it says in Philippians chapter 2, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset. 
Remember how it talks about humility is a heart and a mind that is grounded. Have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. He had all the power and he could have served self. Could have made himself great. No, he made himself nothing. Someone say nothing. Am I the only one that's blown away today? By taking the very nature of a sermon, servant, being made in human likeness, keeps going. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, even death on a cross. You know, he had the power not to go to that grave. But out of total humility and service to each and every one of you and me, he humbled himself to death. To, to death. He humbled himself to death. Death on a cross. It doesn't stop there, though. Therefore, God exalted so anointing plus humility leads to kingship. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And at that name, every knee should bow. Every knee should be humbled. In heaven and on earth and under earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Are you convinced that there truly is a royal formula? Being in the same mindset as Jesus. Live like him. Be humble to death. To death. That's when we get exalted and raised up. Skill and gifting does not lead to the throne, church. Nick Miller needs to remember this. Skill and gifting does not lead to the throne. There's times where I'm preaching on Sundays. Again, I can be prideful and arrogant. I know when a word hits. It's my job. I know when something, I, can I tell you, I know in my preparation, I know that this is going to strike some people sometimes. Like with these, with this phrase, I know it's going to hit. And I take pride in that. I put a lot of preparation in. And I'm becoming better and better at what I do. But skill and gifting, the ability to use this really well, doesn't lead to the throne. It does not. It was humility that exalted Christ to the highest place. Amen, church. You don't believe he's at the highest place? Let me show you. He's in heaven at the right hand of God right now. Hebrews chapter 13. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Whoa. Whoa. After, make, after making purifications for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. He is in heaven right now, seated at the right hand of God. He is literally a king over all. He's now at the right hand of God, superior to all, yet his servant heart, can I tell you something? Here's the thing that happens sometimes when we get the position or the title, our nature changes. Anyone know what I'm talking about? So when I was serving in ministry before, I was uh, the junior high worship leader. What a title. I was getting paid pennies a week. And that's okay. And then you get like youth pastor, and you're like, 
I'm kind of cool. Yeah. Dope. I'm kinda, I got, I kind of got this. Seriously. And so we kind of, we can lose the humility with the increase or with the promotion. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So you work your butt off really hard at your job and all of a sudden you become manager and you're like, I get to just sit in my chair. I want to tell you that his servant heart, his humble heart never changes. He never changes. God has said, never, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. This is in Hebrews chapter 13, that same chapter. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Christ Jesus is the same what? Yesterday? Come on today and forever and imitate your leaders and imitate their faith Paul says imitate me as I imitate Christ you know why he can say that it's because I'm trying as best as I can to follow this word as much as I can and he never changes so that humble heart is still there his humble heart carries on he's a servant to the end of time isn't that crazy that the 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 creator who can hold the entire universe in his hands. Jackie, he serves you. Serious. Dr. T, he serves you. He's humble in that way. Forever. He's king, yet he serves. That's powerful. He doesn't change. He has every reason to change. He's up in heaven. He, shouldn't, he, doesn't, he don't need to care about us. He serves still. That's a challenge for me because I've had promotions and I've, I've grown and increased. And my humility is challenged every time and pride and arrogance finds its way in. And so I want to imitate Christ. But I have a question and I would ask the same question that Jesus asked of his disciple. Does anyone among you want to be great? Anyone want to be great in this place? Wait, 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 wait. Does anyone want to be great in this place? Thank you. I want to be great. I want to be the greatest dad. I want to be the greatest pastor. I want to be the greatest leader. Manager of finances. We're going to start a school. I'm going to be a great principal. Principal Miller. You laugh now? Yeah, it's happening. I want to be great. Does anyone want to be great? Yes. So how can you imitate Christ's humility then? What does it take? What does it take? First is this, and uh, I always love preaching. I, I want to preach about Jesus, but I also want to partner the grace and the gospel with some practical application, something to take home and say, wow, I need to do this. First of all is this. If you want to be humble, you need to truly value others. No, I'm being serious. You need to truly value others. Someone say intrinsic. Oh, that's a tricky word. Nick, what does intrinsic mean? That means that it is a value that is unchanging upon any circumstances. So a diamond has intrinsic value. Whether you like it or not, it's a diamond and it's worth thousands of dollars. And Emmy wants a bigger one. She deserves it. But it's unchanging. It could be, the diamond can be dirty and they wash it off and it's still worth thousands of dollars. It doesn't change. It doesn't change. Nothing outside can impact this diamond's value. And we allow outside things to determine how we value others. If you're on the right side, 
do you value those on the left side? If you're on the left side, do you value those on the right side? That simple example. But I've heard a lot of poor conversations about people who think differently. And I'm even challenged with that as well. Because I think I'm great and I think my ways are perfect and right. But I don't have the whole answer. And so we need to start truly valuing others, truly looking at the intrinsic nature of people. That is a person. That is a child of God, and nothing can take that away. They are worth all honor, all respect. They are worth all of my service. They're worth all of my love, no matter what, even if they slap me in the face. That's why Jesus says, turn the other one. They're worth it. They're worth it. And I'll say this. And I say this to me all the time. Like, this is my inner voice talking to me. Get over yourself. Like, if Jesus died for them, if he gave his life for them, you should love them too. Stop it. Stop it. He gave his life for all. I had a conversation this week. Um, Oh, can I be honest? Sometimes the church doesn't want to allow people into the church that has differing ideals and differing opinions. And, and uh, yeah, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to state kind of where I'm at. I do not believe that a child in womb should be killed. I don't. I don't. But I don't want to close the door on someone who does. And I just want to preach the word and the truth of God and allow him to correct and allow him to guide and allow him to lead us. But sometimes we don't value other people's opinions or we, we see their opinions and say they're trash and we close that door. That's not what Jesus did at all. Did you see the Pharisee's opinion of that woman who was crying at Jesus' feet, pouring out her perfume? How dare she pour out a year's wages? Jesus said she is forgiven. What are you guys talking about? Just because she's not all pious, high and mighty like you guys doesn't mean she's not valuable. She's worth being here. She's worth giving my life for. And we look at the Pharisees. We do this too, church. We have to truly value others. That Philippians 2, this is what we talked about earlier. I got to share this with you. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility. There's that word. Someone say value. Value others above yourself. Again, don't deprecate yourself. Don't destroy yourself. No, no, no. But that is to say that, Eric, I value you above myself. I will honor you. I'll lift you up. I'll encourage you. Whatever you need, I'm here for you. To serve. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Get over yourself. That person is so valuable. That person at work who's very different than you, they're valuable. That family member who hurt you years and years ago, they're valuable. I struggle with that very one in my own heart. Someone say valuable. If you want to be humble, you need to truly value others. It's intrinsic. They're created by God. You, nor any opinion that they have, can affect their value. Second thing is this. You become humble when you know who you really are. You know who Nick really is? I'm not Superman. I don't have a quadrillion dollars in the bank. I'm not super muscly like this awesome dude. 
I don't have 10 billion followers on Instagram. Know who I really am. I live in Monroeville, Pennsylvania. I have the best wife in the world. I get to be a father to two children and I get to be a part of a church community that genuinely loves one another. Like, that's who I am. That's who I really am. That's like who I really am. That's who I really am. I'm a child of God. That's who I really am. But we like to think of ourselves greater than we ought. No, I'm not that. I'm, I'm just Nick Miller guy from Monroeville. And I don't mean to demean myself. I'm not saying it from that perspective. I'm just looking at myself with a sober assessment of who I am. Of who I am. For by the grace, this is in Romans 12. Paul's saying, for the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, look and pay attention to this. Do not, this is a command, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each and every one of you. In other words, you have a calling, a, fa- a, 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 a direction on your life, the faith that you've been given, and you just got to live that out. Don't think you're mightier than you are. Not everyone's so... Can I tell you the, the, the challenge with pastoring is everyone wants to be Billy Graham. Billy Graham was Billy Graham. Like, that's his calling and his way, his, his course. That's not my way. But it's like this standard, and if it's not met, you're not like the real pastor. What? No. Who am I really? And I'm going to walk with faith in who I really am. And if that means I'm a pastor of a local church in Monroeville, of 100, 200 people, I will do that faithfully with you guys to the very end. To the very end. But look at yourself with some sober judgment. Who are you really? This is a big challenge for me. Who are you really? I thought I was going to be Cristiano Ronaldo forever. I thought I was going to be Justin Bieber. Seriously, I'm not. But I'm Nick Miller. I am. Look at yourself. Look at yourself with sober judgment. Be honest. With, that's one of the scariest things. Talking about Judd, talking about honesty last week, sometimes being honest with yourself is really challenging. Really challenging. Really challenging. Be honest with yourself. Look at yourself with sober judgment. If you want to be humble, you need to know who you really are. Third thing on being humble, you need to walk with kingdom vision. There are so many concerns in this world. The pursuit of money is one of the greatest concerns that we have, especially with gas prices like this. Woo! Cost me about nine bucks to drive to church today. Woo! But we have to walk with kingdom vision. And I know that that stuff matters. But there's something greater that matters more. That that person down in West Virginia, that, that their hole in their roof is fixed. That's what matters more. That my son being raised up in the way he should go, that's what matters more. We have to walk with kingdom vision and get over our own desires. I have many wants, but there are kingdom wants that need to take over. 
kingdom desires, kingdom visions that need to lead the way. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. We're tempted all the time to fix our eyes on other things that we are going to try solving the problem. And it's not it. You just have to walk with kingdom vision. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Again, there's the picture right there. Humble, boom, exalted. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. When you maintain kingdom vision, you'll go with this all the way to the very end. When you maintain kingdom vision, it's less about you and more about him. John 3.30 says, less of me and more of you. He must become greater and I must become less. And we lose sight of kingdom vision when we start thinking about self. Yeah. Lastly is this. Live within community. This is a huge problem. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak very forward. Uh, how can we serve and be humble without placing or being around anyone else? And in fact... In fact, when you are solo, you become convinced that you are the greatest priority in the world. Do you know why I love this community? Because I hear stories and testimonies from other people that I get to love and serve and be reminded of who I am too. When I hear about someone going through trouble, it humbles me. When I hear someone triumph, it humbles me. You have to live within community. You cannot discover this humility thing just on your own. Let me tell you something. They had this, um, I think it's called mosticism, which is the pursuit of becoming a monk. They thought that that's the way to pursue Jesus. And that's the way to truly be humble your whole life. No, no, no. That's not it. It is choosing to be humble in the midst of all of the world. It's not escaping the world. It's choosing to live like him in the midst of the world. So people thought, I could be humble if I just escape everything. Then they became pious and said, look at me, I pray 12 hours a day. It actually became about them. So you get it backwards. So truthfully, when you're in community, you are humbled. Let me ask you a serious question. Oh, I'm going to talk to y'all. When you've been away for five, six weeks, you know the temptation that happens in the morning? 9.30 comes, church is about to start on time, this now, you know. We've missed it today. My fault. Um, we look at the watch and we say, mm, I don't feel like it. Next week we'll come around. And you don't know that God had an appointment for you to go and encourage and lift someone up today, to serve someone today. And we go, no, I worked really hard this week. I don't, I don't need to. Am I speaking to anyone? But when you're in... And when you're in, in on the community, and when you're involved in everything, I know we got a lot. I know we got circles and circles and marriage ministry and men's ministry. I know we got prayer. I know we got a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot going on. But I've found a lot more humbling the more connected I am with you. Amen? And how can we serve one another if we're not around people? As each has received a gift. You guys all, each and every one of you. I hate also when people say, I don't have, I'm not good at anything. Really? Oh my gosh. Please don't say that around me. Okay? As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's very grace. 
How can you serve one another if you're by yourself? How can you serve one another when you're on your own, lost? How can you serve one another? How can you live this life like Jesus did when you're solo? This is, uh, yeah, I, I just don't get the online church model where you just watch in your living room. I don't get it. I don't get it. I get the greatest joy coming and serving you guys. I get the greatest joy going down, driving down to West Virginia for four plus hours to serve some families. That's the greatest joy. That is, this is the most humbling week coming up for me. And I know for each and every person who's going on this trip, you might wrestle with pride and arrogance at points in your life, but it will humble you. And I promise you, like we said earlier, a humble heart after this week will lead to a heavenly life. There's testimonies every time that someone goes on this trip. It's been tough. I know finances are tight. I know it's challenging. Wives and and spouses, we miss one another. But coming back from this trip, it supercharges our life. It does. It does. So I know that this is a lot, to live a life with a heart and a mind that is low to the ground. But I promise you that whenever you truly walk humble, not defeating self, not self-seeking, but when you are truly humble in a heavenly way, I know it's going to lead to life. It's not a burdensome command. It is one that gives you everything and exalts you and lifts you up. Amen, church? Hmm. Well, let's, uh, let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you lowered yourself for someone like me. Thank you that you sent... God, thank you that you sent your son for someone like me who did not deserve it, that he would humble himself. He wouldn't just tell us to be humble. He would live it out himself. He would humble himself even to the point of death, knowing that it would save me by paying for my sin, a debt that did not deserve to be paid by a precious, perfect person like you, Jesus. And I pray that as you walked with humility, that we would walk with humility as well. But I don't know the way, Jesus, until I invite you into my life, until I walk with you and observe your ways. And so I want to pray for another group of people here. If you've never accepted Jesus, in other words, if you haven't made him Lord and Savior in your life, people are bowing their heads right now. We're just going to give you a moment of privacy. I'm here to tell you today that the true life is found when you humble yourself and call him Lord and Savior, the guy who humbled himself for you. You know what he did? And he didn't have to do this. It was his joy to do it. From the very beginning of time, man made a mistake. We spit in God's face. We wanted nothing to do with him. And we were separated with him because of our sin. And that sin produced death when we were designed for life in paradise with our creator. And so what God did is he had every right, he had every right to sit on his throne and say, they don't deserve it. I don't need to do anything for them. But you know what he did? He humbled himself out of love for each and every person in this room. And he said, I'm going to send Jesus on earth to live a perfect life, to set you free and to pay the debt that needed paid for your sins. So he humbled himself, went to the grave with your sin, your shame, your debt on his shoulders. And he rose again, defeating the power and the authority of the enemy once and for all. The power of death over your life. If you need this Jesus, 
and you want to walk this life that leads to true heavenly life, today all you simply have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he came to earth as man. He died and rose again to set you free. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be uh, attending every week and get it right. You don't have to have an amazing bank account. You don't even have to be the smartest person. All you simply have to do is confess with your mouth and believe that he died and rose again and you will be set free and saved here on earth and forevermore. And so while everyone, all the believers are praying for you right now, if that's you in this room and you need to invite Jesus in your heart and humble yourself and declare him as Lord and Savior, today is a great opportunity. I'm going to challenge you to raise your hand as an outward way of saying, Jesus, I give you my life. I humble myself and I turn from my past and I'm ready for the journey with you. If that's you, go for it. One, two, it's the best decision you'll ever make. Three, I see that hand. That's awesome. Anyone else want to make this decision today to humble themselves to find the life that they were designed for? Anyone else? I see that hand. That's good. Anyone else? Anyone else want to make that decision today? Go ahead. You can put your hand down. If you made that decision, just say this from your heart. Jesus, I declare you as my Lord and Savior. I was a sinner with a broken past, and I cannot believe you humbled yourself for someone like me. I humble myself. I lay everything I am at your feet. I turn away from my past. I acknowledge you that you came to earth, died and rose again to set me free. I declare you as my Lord and Savior. Here on out, I follow you with the rest of my days, leading to life, life, and more life on earth and everlasting. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Lift up a shout of praise for those who made that decision. Yeah. Yes. 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 Hmm. Isn't humility a good thing? Can we be grateful for a humble God? We're going to sing this song called Gratitude. Can we just thank him for how he humbled himself? Will you all